This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Begins in the Dream Factory and ends in madness. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Well, hi there, it's Trevor. And on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to your Boo Crew Podcast 390 and a second all-new episode episode this week. A fantastic horror film called The Unseen opens in select theaters this weekend in VOD. One of our fave actors and returning guest, Rebecca Kennedy, brings along the director, Vincent Shade, cinematographer and producer, Ryan Atkins, and writer-co-star, Jennifer A. Goodman. Join us all for an inspiring conversation exploring the challenges and triumphs of indie filmmaking, crafting scares, assembling a terrific and passionate cast and crew, and to make things look and feel unique, cinematic, and huge episode 390 and the cast and creators behind the unseen is now slaying go ahead scream that's all we need another victim crawls onto the gurney for a boo crew autopsy joining bloody disgusting's boo crew in the speakeasy studios a group of exceptional and unique storytellers first up she's a trained theater performer with a tremendously inspiring trajectory appearing in several film and tv projects among them better call saul and her own series conrad in 2018, she earned a Top Women Producers Award for a psychological thriller she created and produced called The Nest. By the following year, she had already co-founded Lakefront Pictures, where she does it all from casting, writing, acting, and producing, including festival award winners Black Hatter and Pictures Only. She is Jennifer A. Goodman. Also here with us, an accomplished cinematographer and content creator with over 17 years as a highly in-demand corporate and commercial filmmaker. He's got an endless list of credits, including ad campaigns, educational projects, features, and shorts. In 2019, he co-founded Lakefront with Jennifer. His experience and talents make him the secret weapon in-house post-production Swiss Army Knife, where he has established a unique and elevated voice for the look and feel of everything out of their studio. He is Ryan Atkins. There is nothing this director and producer hasn't done. His adventures in award-winning 3D filmmaking to helming projects for the most notorious satire website in the world, The Onion, are incredible examples of his broad scope and creative energy. His work includes dozens of shorts and features, most recently First AD, on the three-time award-winning When Jeff Tried to Save the World and on his own feature The Letter Say Hey to Vincent Shade and finally coming from the stage and musical theater she went headfirst into a brilliant career that is full of diversity from appearing alongside Nicolas Cage in Season of the Witch the 24-time award-winning Criminal Minds the six-time Emmy-winning Law and Order the Netflix film To the Bone with Keanu Reeves and Lily Collins and a lead role in one of the most terrifying movies we've ever seen Pierre Sigaritas's multi-award-winning Nightmare <laughs> Two Witches. Her performances are bold, fearless, and wonderfully original, making her one of the most exciting actors in cinema. She is the astounding Rebecca Kennedy. Together, their new project follows a recent law school grad who gets hired by a small firm to solve a mysterious cold case. The deeper into it he gets, the more haunted he becomes by the ghosts of his past. Starring R.J. Mitty, The Unseen premieres in theaters in L.A., Chicago, and New York, and on Apple TV and on demand June 30th. Once again, it's writer, producer, and star Jennifer A. Goodman, cinematographer and producer Ryan Atkins, director Vincent Shade, and star Rebecca Kennedy. Welcome to the Boo Crew, y'all. Yeah! What an intro. There we go. Was that all in one breath? Yeah, I think so. I felt like a kid doing a speech at high school. We just need to take you around with us everywhere we go. Put me in a backpack. I'm there. I'm there. That was an incredible introduction. Well, you guys, congrats on this labor of love. You can really see and feel the care that y'all put into this very special project. It's uh, full of misdirects, surprises, and scares, just like we like it. So we're going to start by focusing on scares, not necessarily just in this film first but we want to go around the room here and when it comes to horror what are the horror films that you've experienced that have worked their way into your own creative DNA somehow uh, again not just those that have manifested their way into the unseen but just in general we can start with Vincent yeah uh, thank you so much again for that intro hey man, uh, and everybody it. and thanks for having us here of course uh, a real pleasure um, horror is uh, such a vast uh, scope of things to discuss. Um, my favorite scares or my favorite horror movies have been in a lot of uh, recent ones that have explored uh, what you do not see, hmm. which is going to the theme of the unseen. Uh, movies like uh, The Witch, 
and uh, uh, even the lighthouse. Um, I'm a huge Lovecraft fan, big love into Lovecraft uh, lore. Uh, so anything that gets into the ancient and antediluvian, and specifically the unknown, those are my favorite types of scares. Oh, I love it. Nice. I love it. Jennifer, how about you? Um, I would say that a lot of my inspirations, um, Hereditary, mm. definitely had a lot of movement in it. Um, Babadoc, I think, is another really powerful one. For me, I love taking a story kind of on a global level and bringing a lot of interpersonal dynamics and adding twists of different dimensions and thrill, um, you know, that whodunit kind of story, so that crime drama into it. Um, but I love things that keep you on your toes where you don't know what's going to happen next. Very similar to what Vince describes um, is something that is really inspiring and helps move, move and motivate me. Ryan, how about you, man? I, uh, I I have a lot of references. Um, Lights out, I think, is is a big one for me. Uh, the short turned into the feature, and yeah. that, that was that was excellent. Um, uh, the descent was actually a recommendation from Vince, and I, I it took me a couple you know, several hours to watch it because it was it was just hard to watch. Um, and then Jordan Peele with with us, and then um, and then his other films. There's a plethora of others, but, uh, you know, The Conjuring is also a big reference of mine as well. Um, just a variety of different tactics on what creates anxiety, slow movement, stuff like that. Mm, beautifully answered. And uh, I know we've had Rebecca here before. <laughs> Welcome back, Rebecca. It's always Thank good to you see so you. Thank you so much for having us of back. Of course. <laughs> and I mean, we, we, we've probably ta talked about something like this similar when you were here for Two Witches, but maybe your answer has changed. I don't know. G give us... Uh, a horror movie that is a or, or a selection of horror movies that have kind of crept into your DNA as a performer or it's the same but for people that didn't listen to the last one it'll yeah. be new yeah exactly <laughs> um, I mean there's so many great horror movies but you know as an actor I'm definitely obviously looking at the performances as well as the scares uh, for me the sixth sense will always be one of my favorites because the fear um, in all of our, all the actors is just so palpable and so real for me and I, I hardly ever you know cry in a horror movie and that's one that I every time I watch I still I still cry because it's just it's so well done um, and being that terrified uh, is just really inspiring to me as an actor to bring that kind of depth and uh, feel to to characters that I play too. So Jennifer and Ryan, we'll start with you guys and just tell us about the genesis of Lakefront Pictures first and what you kind of saw in each other that brought you together. Sure, I'll hop on that. Um, so I am an actress by trade. And for me, in 2016, I was dealing with some things on a personal level and thought it would be great to kind of get back to my roots. Um, and I, I happened to go online and see a post from Ryan, who I actually didn't know at the time, uh, for a fearless woman who's interrogating a male suspect. And I just loved that women empowerment. Um, I'm a big fan of Homeland. Uh, the Blacklist, Law and Order, um, kind of where I met Rebecca is from her episode sure. on Law and Order um, and was very drawn to her performance. And Ryan had had a post. I auditioned and he cast me into what was a small project. I offered to expand it. I have a plethora of ideas. It grew exponentially. Um, over the course of, of the years, we realized how much we could do. And after some conversations with um, some prestigious folks in the industry, we decided during COVID to really monetize um, some of the ideas. And we brought Lakefront Pictures to the forefront. And there's uh, several areas of business that the company does. Um, but we've done a plethora of short films, features, uh, TV pilots, and uh, demo reels for actors. So it's only growing from here. That's great. If you could explain... I don't know, the mantra or mission statement of what defines a lakefront project, what would that be and how would the story of the unseen complement that? Sure, it's a great question. So we elevate unheard voices and tell stories untold that change now perspectives. Um, as a neurodiverse actress, writer, and producer, um, it kind of runs the gamut um, on that piece of it, but the unseen... Um, our lead character is has cere cerebral palsy, and he's a fantastic talent, wonderful heart, um, truly passionate. And we felt giving you know a voice to him who is on Breaking Bad um, is is a way to elevate it. The story itself 
shows the dynamic between a father and son with a father who has very high demands of his son and expectations and living to that expectation and what he's expected to do and the struggle behind that I can relate to on my own personal level. And I'm sure many people can relate to wanting your parents' approval. Mm. And I think that's a really good kind of meat and story behind some of the horror and thriller within the story. Sure. What were some of the first things that you that kind of came into your mind when you were developing this idea, like the seedlings of the whole concept? Um, a lot of what I started with was actually not on the horror side. Um, it was more about the interpersonal dynamics between family members, dealing yeah. with familial pressure, collective guilt. Um, I love the undoing, um, and I found that there's a lot of stories that bring a depth. And what I want from audiences is to think and see things in a different way, change a perspective, which aligns with Lakefront's mission. You know, um, there's a lot of people with different developmental and mental disabilities and physical disabilities, and understanding the depth that it's not just one way but there's many different spectrums is something that I truly love to bring onto camera and give people that, wow, interesting. I never thought of that. Or I wonder what that person's going through mm. and giving them an opportunity to grow with a character, struggle with a character and feel with a character. As far as the collaboration of Lakefront goes mm -hmm. and your partnership with Ryan, how early in the writing process did you start to involve him? Uh, from the very beginning. Ryan is kind of a sounding board when I throw ideas out and he is incredibly talented when it comes to a visual story, when it comes to taking my ideas and, you know, kind of putting on paper a, a visual painting of what I'm trying to communicate. He also has a lot of references. He's a horror fanatic. And, you know, it was funny. I would write a scene and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to hear the scene I wrote. And I'd read it to him and he'd be like, yeah, that doesn't do it for me. It's not horror enough. It just wasn't scary enough. That's cool, though. That's great. I'm like, what do you mean? The guy the guy falls and he's got like blood on his face. And he's like, yeah, um, I think we need to watch another horror. So it's funny because there's at one point, and this doesn't ruin anything, but, you know, nails to a chalkboard. I just, oh, it's like one of those trembling things and he thought of nails on a wood ground mm -hmm. of this one character grabbing the wood and and i was like i can't do it and he's like that is a horror movie <laughs> wow now is that all stuff ryan that you put in uh, early on in the script writing process would you would you put those beats in the story at that point or was that all post yeah i mean it, it so the the shooting script i mean it took a while to get there just like any other pro any other script might but um no we, we toyed with several different ideas um and just because you put an idea in the script doesn't mean uh, it. you first off shouldn't really base on your budget or schedule. It should be based on will it work for, the, for how, what the characters are experiencing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And does it work for the story? So we toyed with a bunch of different ideas. And yeah, some of the things that Jenny had first presented, they were more like crime drama type things and just like like maybe icky things. But it wasn't really scary. And a lot of the, a lot of the scares that we we're trying to put in trying to induce anxiety. Mm. So if comedy is timing and delivery, um, horror is not all too dissimilar. It is, it's how the horror is done and then it's the timing of that event. Um, so it, it took us a while to dial in several things that we wanted to do, but you know that that's the beauty of, of ours. It takes a while to dial in what you're really trying to convey over. And a lot of what I do is a slow burn. I love a slow burn. I mean, the unseen is a slow burn. Um, you know, and I kept saying like, oh, I want people's popcorn, like in Jaws. Like, and, you know, it's like everyone kept saying to me, like, you can't manifest a reaction of your audience. You have to just, you know, bring the story and the idea to paper and, um, you know, really stick with how, you know, if you want a slow burn, you got to stay with a slow burn. If you want to jump, you got to move to the jump. And I just love things where you're like waiting for the moment, the ball to drop and you're like terrified and you're like, you know, you got your hands in front of your eyes and then like nothing happens. You're like, oh, come on, you know, or something actually happens when you least expect it. How long did it take to write the script? Great question. Um, after 10,761,000 drafts. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um, gosh, we started in October of 2020. 
and we went to camera in 22 so in june and we i actually was on saul i was on saul filming i was out there for two weeks and they only needed me for two days but it was the front end and the back end because of covid they wanted me there the whole time and i was writing almost every day that i was out there so i would say we probably finished writing in like right before like march was when all the changes were done. And, you know, you're still always making changes. Sure, of course. But it was pretty locked in March, maybe. I'd say March. And then Vincent's involvement, was he someone that you guys had in mind from the very beginning? What about his aesthetic made him be like, this is the guy for this project? I have been trying to have Vince direct my movies for years. Wow. Um, and the man nice. is so busy. That's <laughs> like, very kind. That's very um, but he is also, he is a fantastic writer. He's full of ideas. Um, and I love bouncing ideas off him. And he's also a, an incredible producer. He's, he's, he's kind of a mentor to Ryan and I. Um, and he has been over the years. And so, you know, when I started this project, I mean, I, I went to him as well. And originally, he was more of just a friend who bounced ideas off of and maybe threw in an idea or, or you know. But a lot of it was that he was coming on as a producer because he also is very talented in the visual effects space. Mm. Um, his movie, The Letter, has... Uh, visual effects that he kind of managed and did an incredible job um and so originally that was where he was going to come in and then as we evolved and things progressed he just fell more into the role of the director he really understood um the vision the you know the story the characters he could understand the differences and where i was trying to go Mm. and sometimes with autism i think i've said something like I've put it on paper, but it's not as clear. And I'm like, oh, it's right there. And Vince is like, no, I think we need to kind of develop that a little bit more. And so it was very helpful to have kind of that, you know, support to bounce ideas off of and get a little bit more of a dynamic on how to really bring my ideas to paper. And eventually it just came about that, like, he needs to be directing this because he he and I were so in sync where we were finishing each other's sentences and we would, you know, we could look at each other and we know what we're trying to do on set. Like I would look at him and he'd be like, I know I got you. <laughs> Perfect. That's what, exactly what you yes. want. Yeah. So yes. Vincent, a question yeah. for you, when you're dealing with something with content that has so many elements from family drama to crime mm-hmm. thriller to the supernatural all in one, what was your cohesive vision to bring it all together? Yeah. Uh, Thank you for asking. Uh, the The thing that I think also, which Jen was mentioning, the visual effects element, uh, but the thing I also bring is a, a real sense of of nerdery <laughs> to the depth of the supernatural. Sure. You know? Um, this is totally a word. Yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I gotta look that up. I am... Uh, I am someone who's not just a fan of the films, but also a fan of the lore and the... All the all the all the depth of the different books and different readings, so I could really get into the to the necromancy of it all. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what Jen is also saying is that I understood, you know, the physics of how a ghost moves or like you know things of that nature. You know, um, so bringing that element to the set, you know, I'm looking at um, inspirations like Thinner, Drag Me to Hell, The Ring. You know, those are films that like. Something happens to this person at the beginning. They make a big mistake or they, they dip their toe too far into the water and they come out and something something stays with them. Mm. You're, you're pulling on a lot of listeners' heartstrings right now right. by dropping those nades, <laughs> right, man. Right, they're, right. they're all getting into this movie now. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So, so that is, that is uh, so utilizing those inspirations, you know, this, this whole concept of like, you know, um, opening opening a window to peer inside but then you know what if that window became a door something crossed over on the other side and uh stepping into the memory of a character messing around with with Mm -hmm. memory and trauma which is something that when i read the script i was like oh this is so great the trauma of this character can really block off you know something that is haunting him uh, so very, very cool. So I utilize those movies uh, and those types of stories as inspiration to try to, to try to bring a, a steady uh, a steady dread to the film and that it would just increase in volume by the end. So even as Ryan and I were uh, working with the shooting uh, schedule, uh, we were coming up with shots at the very end that was just like, 
insane insane shots <laughs> upside down yes you know, yeah i noticed real, that real wild oh, stuff yeah. So, yeah so uh we even had so there's not just an uh, a character arc of the film there's also a sanity arc and the sanity arc as it as it dips more and more into madness the the cinematography lends to that story the script obviously lends to that story the performances lend to that story so um that's the type of cohesion that we wanted mm. to, to bring together at the end so that uh, even though all these different elements are there, uh, they're all they're all uh, in concert with the same song. Yeah, so to speak. What did you want? Uh, you know, both for Ryan and you, uh, you know, cinematography and, and and camera work all combined. What did you want the voice of the camera and perspective of the camera to support the most as far as uh, establishing this vision? You, we mentioned some of those things, like you know, the camera roll that goes one eighty degrees when uh, when he's looking for his mother, for right. instance. You know, things like that. Like, like, what perspective in general did you want? The I guess what part of the story did you want most enhanced by the camera's vision? Well, I mean, we wanted to gradually in t- um, increase the intensity, kind of little by little, mm. right? And so. Um, uh, that upside down shot that you were referring to, that's not like even in the start of the movie. Because I mean, you need to start what's normal. And then so people start to feel a little bit more uncomfortable. The camera, it's almost like when the boat is kind of tipping over, you know, and you're starting to get water in, in there. And it's like, okay, guys, um, this is getting a little concerning here. And um, that's what we were trying to do with cinematography is to help push that story along um, and just get it to where. Uh, you don't know what to think by the time you come to the end, end, end of the film. Yeah, I think that the cinematography... Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think that the cinematography that we had discussed and that we were effectively able to pull off uh, was a form of storytelling that uh, gets the audience in a rhythm and then we take that rhythm away so it constantly right. keeps them guessing. Um, we swap perspectives so we don't stay with a single perspective. The entire time so it also gives a real sense of the audience of additional information that maybe some of the other characters don't know mm-hmm. um i remember at one point we decided to break some you know some filmmaking rules just to help increase that you know that 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 edge for that intensity oh yeah not I just mean, intensity but just the edge on just anxiety for yeah. various scenes <laughs> yeah absolutely you know sometimes yeah. that ha- that you have to do that you have to break some of the rules in order right. in order to make people feel a little extra uncomfortable of course you know, those, those I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta mention that the opening scene of the movie is so effective so much fun it just gets to the point right away you're like what the hell you know however the scene after that i was eating a bowl of cereal and i broke out laughing i snorted milk through my nose <laughs> i want to know if you guys can guess why i was laughing at that following scene the scene well, i'm not I'm, rebecca i'm not i'm not sure wait are you referring to the scene um after after the opening sequence so not in the kitchen Oh, in the kitchen. Yeah, it's in Breakfast. the kitchen. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, well, uh, I could tell you because that was the most fun scene for me to write because it reminded <laughs> me of my own family. Um, non-essential is what my brother says to me constantly about me being on my phone. Um, but I would assume it had to do with the dynamics between Callie and TikTok followers. And Okay, not that technical, not that far. Oh. I'm going to tell you. Yeah, please tell us. Poor RJ spent five seasons of Breaking Bad chained to the breakfast oh, table. Breakfast table. <laughs> <laughs> you guys put him right back at the breakfast table. Yeah, this, this like, too. <laughs> Leo, you bring up Leo, you bring up a, an excellent point. This was oh actually gosh. a conversation on set. I I, I took RJ, uh, pointed to his seat, and he just looked at me. He's like, "You're not seriously going to make me." Break. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, "Yeah, I know." That's that's know, what I wrote. So he's got the whole he's got I the whole uh, breaking breakfast uh, oh like Twitter page. I, I forgot about that. I did yeah. not do that intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> you high five. RJ. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask like before even casting this thing, what were the biggest challenges of getting to that point and just getting everything set to get this thing made? Oh man, raising money. Independent yeah. filmmaking is a arguably it's it's definitely a different ball of wax than. A, as if a film were, you know, produced by a studio. So independence just, uh, it just takes 10 times more work to get to where you need to be. Jennifer, you know, it's interesting. Um, you've got in bigger productions, you have a plethora of people to do many different jobs. 
I think independent filmmaking is much harder because you you have to know a lot of roles and you have to understand the business side. A lot of people don't realize the legal the legalities, you know, getting E&O insurance, getting, you know, legal papers, making sure you have lawyers. I mean, it's it's ten thousand dollars or, you know, I don't know what the number. But I mean, we paid a lot of money to get all sure. this. And you have to have a lot of things in place, because when you're going to go out to an, a, a celebrity actor such as RJ or anyone for that matter, they need to know that the business side is resolved and taken care of. That you're not just bringing someone on for a good time. They don't have time for that. They're right. in a business for business. Um, and if I could jump in with the scheduling part, totally. Um, the, yeah. You know, I used to do a lot of assistant directing work. So managing the schedule on this one, um, we have a, a brilliant AD. Uh, Josh mm-hmm. is I- incredible. I hire him uh, for everything. Yeah, Josh is Josh is an incredible AD. He was able to manage the schedule and we actually had to divide it up into two separate sections so we didn't shoot this congruently we actually shot and then there was a, a large break and we came back for the last i believe 10 days yeah um and it was it, it's hard to break up a shoot like that you know sure. send people away then bring them back get everybody back into the same mindset um but like jen is saying you know raising money is difficult and sometimes investors need to see uh, a product in motion before you know the rest of the money can be raised so that was one of our challenges we did this in two large pieces and uh boy it worked out great i mean we had some really really challenging scenes um you know and uh i, I don't want to give too much away i know rebecca's here she just did such an amazing mm-hmm. job with some of the the challenges that we had on set um including you know outdoor shooting and cold weather overnight overnights in the rain you know that sort of thing uh uh she's just she just exemplifies she's a trooper oh yeah Uh, she's she's a hero where did you guys shoot chicago in the chicagoland area Mm -hmm. yeah all in chicagoland area all in illinois um and uh we were really uh we were really um i think really blessed with the uh with the community that that came together, you know, and Jen does a great job with with reaching out to community outreach, mm-hmm. and um, you know her producerial skill and that was able to get us into really exclusive locations, mm-hmm. have really really um, talented people, people like fire department, police, you know, they were able to to jump on the mm-hmm. project for us um, and really make this thing look as real as possible oh yeah it looks huge well uh we're gonna get to rebecca here in a second here this is gonna be the question that kind of leads us into it so we'll get into casting so we've got rj uh, in the lead who's brilliant we've got candace rose who's chrissy's mom from stranger things Uh, she's on halloween ends yeah she's she's amazing and then we got this one over here rebecca kennedy so talk just generally walk us through the casting process before we go to rebecca yeah um so I actually, so I had never worked with Rebecca and I actually started writing this for Rebecca because I said I wanted to work with her and she does horror films and that was kind of the, that was the genre we decided, you know, we're going to be doing. And I had every intention of, you know, when I wrote this, I, she was in the character role. I was thinking of what I'd want her to say. And I told her that I told her like when I was working on this, I'm like, I'm making a movie for you. And I think she probably thought like everyone says that, Sure, but I was was like, no, no, I, I'm the kind of person that when I say I'm going to do something, I will make sure I do it come hell or high water. Um, and so I was very committed to that. And so that was how Rebecca got involved because she was involved before, like in the, in the inception stage stage, she was and i even told her stuff of like what we were writing i would send her little like clips and stuff and some scenes um and she was getting more and more excited she's like oh this is gonna be so great um and then candace is a friend of mine in the industry and so i told her i was working on it and i was like don't worry i'm gonna i've got like a perfect role for you um and she fit perfectly oh she nailed it yeah. yeah i mean we we had we had her audition um, just so that you know Vince could give his stamp of approval and, and feel comfortable with her because just because I like her doesn't mean it's a sure. done deal. Um, but with that being said, she was you know pointed and you know she did the stare with daggers and you know had that very you know intense voice with the trill and you know intimidation, which is exactly what I wanted as a cold law firm. Um, so it, it just kind of evolved. I'm, you know, I'm an actress, so I know all the actors. I knew Martin Davis and I told him, oh my gosh, I was like, Vince, you got to see this guy. He'd be perfect for donut. I could just see him. That's so great. So we had people audition and it, it, 
you know, it was great. The Boo Crew will be right back. Science has not solved all the riddles of the universe. For hidden deep within us is the touchstone of terror. Expose it and the paralysis of fright will freeze you with horror. Such is the power of Black Sunday. Black Sunday. It comes but once every hundred years. Until then, the undead demons lie entombed waiting, waiting. But on the moment, they rise to unleash an orgy of evil. From the grave, they come seeking blood. Blood. Life. Not since Dracula stalked the earth has there been such a terrifying day and night as Black Sunday. Presented by American International Pictures. And as we know, as you said, Rebecca was knew about this in the yeah. inception uh, process. So, Rebecca, was there anything that you, I don't know, dropped in as far as things that you saw in the character that you wanted to add in? And did you communicate that with uh, Jennifer in the writing process or how did that work? Well, thank you guys, first of all, for your kind words. I really appreciate them. Um, not really specifically that, but what drew me to the character and to the project was the which without giving too much away, it's yeah. so hard when yeah, I'm I know it is hard, right? A spoiler um, was the arc of forgiveness for mm. me and exploring that and what that would look like if you got a second chance, even after perhaps you may not be on this earth anymore. <laughs> um, if you got a second chance of that um, and maybe you don't take it the way you should at first, but finding finding that path to uh, to forgive is not easy. It's really, really difficult. Um, I feel like for most people um, and I wanted to explore that and I knew that there would be challenges um, like Vince said um, with the rain and I had a, a really cool stunt I did um, where I got to be on wires that was really fun um, and it looks great so I knew those things I had never done before so those, those things were exciting to me um, and just exploring her and figuring out um, that to kind of redemption and what that looks like um, was kind of my draw and then just of course working with Jennifer um, after she saw my SVU episode she reached out and was like I'd love to work with you and that was really really cool um, and they're they're wonderful to work with so it's it was really fun. How would you say your choices in performance as far as portraying Millie were supported elevated or collaborated on uh, during the filmmaking process with everybody in this room right now? Yeah you know, they were great because they were open, you know, Vince was really open to my ideas and my interpretation as well as, of course, you know, at the end of the day, he is the director and he is the captain of our ship and I'm going to do my best to bring his vision to life. But he also was very open to what I wanted to do and what I wanted to bring to her. Um, as you can see, he's such a calming presence um, on <laughs> set and kind. especially on days that are, you know, stressful or there's a lot of moving parts or stunts. Um, he he just never wavers. He never lets on that anyone um, is feeling anything other than just we're going to get it. It's fine. It's good. And so that made me feel very relaxed and comfortable in being able to do things that maybe felt made me feel a little uncomfortable as a person, as an actor, not unsafe, but like, you know, the rain, for instance, mm. wasn't the most fun Oof, um, ever, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, we did it and I was proud of myself um, for that. And yeah, they were super collaborative, um, always uh, listening to me, always listening to my ideas. What do you want to do? What, what looks good? What feels good to you? Always making sure I felt safe and comfortable and that, um, that meant a lot. Right, right. One of the things oh, I loved about that, watching uh, yeah. about watching Rebecca in this film is, uh, God, she's such a chame chame chameleon in this film. I mean, there are scenes where you know she's she has some internal struggles. You know, people are not treating her well, and you could tell. You could just tell by the subtlety in her face. You know, just what what she doesn't express or does express. And then there's a scene where you know she's just staring, and you're like, oh shit! Like the lighting changes, and you're like. She's about to become Carrie. She's about to <laughs> And then she smiles. And then she smiles. And you're like, God damn, she's a high school girl. Like, she's a cute girl. You want to, you want to like get to know and date, you know? So I'm like, I love that. I'm like, wow, it's, it's just, it was amazing that you guys like 
pull that all off. Yeah, Thank those you so are much. those are great observations. And and if I if I can share a quick story, um, you know, uh, Rebecca, uh, we were in a. I don't want to get. I don't want to spoil anything. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. But um, uh, she said, uh, "I have this specific talent, and I can do this on screen." And I said really i thought that was visual effects and she's like no i could do it for real and i'm like that's amazing oh, yeah. that's definitely going in the film <laughs> please please do that um but she always brought such a wonderful positive creativity um and a uh, um a, a variety of layers a variety of layers and even when those times were tough physically she was able to channel, channel that into her performance. Um, really just, it was really wonderful to work with someone that was that dedicated to the craft. Thank um, you. So That's it was, very sweet. it was really nice. Thank you, Rebecca, for, for, for what you gave to this film. I think that it's really a unique team that could really thrive through the support that we gave each other through the energy that was passed among us. I mean, working with Vince is a dream. Um, it, it really is. And I, 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 I'm not just saying this, you know, there's a lot of directors out there that are impatient or frustrated or just want to get the work done. It, it isn't work for Vince, you know, it's life, it's livelihood and everything that he did for the entire duration of being a part of this, he ate, slept, breathed. Um, and any time that anything would go wrong, it was just all good. Mm. And like, <laughs> that's what you want, right? Yeah. Well, you know, that's the, yeah. I, 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 this sounds going to sound crazy, but you strive to be like that because, you know, especially as a producer, you know, you never make everyone happy. Yeah. And it's like, it, you know, with, with Vince is just, it's all good. We got this, you know, <laughs> and everyone just breathes. Yeah. And it, it, it really manifests itself on set when you're in his presence. And I think, you know, Ryan did an incredible job. You know, I've seen work from Ryan, but his work on the unseen, I mean, at out, I mean, yes, you do an incredible job, but like the unseen, it was like he was really able to like be in his headspace sure. and be the creative and the visual storyteller that he longs to be and is. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it yeah. doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, I, yeah. It's very kind. I appreciate the words. And, and if I can mention this other thing, uh, we shot like eight pages a day. I was yeah. just like going to say, we had a very, it, yeah. was, it was so much exactly. content to We had get. a very accelerated schedule. Very You're accelerated schedule. Right. And it was oh. also this idea of, of these two chunks, getting these two chunks of the movie done uh, in separate sections. So there is, there is a... That you have to move at the speed of production, mm -hmm. which is basically as fast as you as as you all can move. But um, nothing, nothing uh, is nothing can get in the way of the message you're trying to tell mm -hmm. in this, in in the story. Right? A lot of times, you know, in my younger years, people would ask me, they're like, they, you know, I was trained like this. They said, "Do you want the shot or do you want the story?" Mm. You know, yeah. do you want the shot or do you want the story? And that is such an important thing to understand. So when you're going into stressful situations, you're like, oh, we've got 14 shots to do. And then you take a step back and say, all right, we've got one hour. If we combine shots four and five and we lose six, seven, eight, and nine, can we still tell our story? Can we still get our message across? Exactly. If and, I could be an extension of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's where good pre-production comes into play. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember I took the ASC Masterclass, and a uh, common question from a lot of the students there, for a lot, of, a lot of the DPs, how do you handle when you're told you, you only have a certain amount of time left, but you have, you have a big shopping list? And their answer is all the time is, know your script. Know your script. Um, so if you do have to go from 20 shots down to 15 or 5 down to 2, what is the story that you're trying to tell? And what tools do you currently have available to you to get that thing told? How Absolutely. can you be? How can you in uh, be utilize ingenuity and intuity uh, and be intuitive about accomplishing that? So I think um, we had those situations of, of having to make those decisions. Who doesn't? Um, we we all do. But 
I could not be proud of what we created. Yeah, and and absolutely. And uh, in my over a decade experience of being an assistant director, the uh, things that I've learned about when something does malfunction on set or there's some sort of issue, because I've shot in 3D films and there's all sorts of oh, technical I can't even problems imagine with that, that especially with the beam splitter and all the all the other stuff. Um, the first thing that you communicate to the team when something you know messes up, of course, after you you confirm safety and everyone's okay, is uh, back to one. <laughs> you know that's what yeah. you got to say. You got to say back to one right. and let's figure this out. You know we're resetting, we're 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 adjusting it, and uh, we're going to make it better second time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to bring up a performance note, I guess, Rebecca and, and Jen, you guys can uh, answer this one. RJ is such a, just a inspiring, dramatic force when he performs. And you guys both share some pretty heavy scenes with the guy. Mm-hmm. What do you find his performance brought out in you that you found inspiring in your scenes with him? Comfort. And, um, you know, I, I'm a, writer producer and my head is spinning and I'm you know a lot of people are like you know we got to make sure you're in the acting headspace when I worked with RJ it was just us and that was because his talent he's raw he's I mean ah oh gosh I'm not gonna ruin my scene but mm. he opens up about things he opens up about things and he really goes there and he allows himself to to cry and you really are reaching out Mm. there's there's it's not a performance it's real and he gives that and he's it's such a gift um and it was nice i don't even think nice is the word it was just um i'm generous it was generous Mm. that he was able to to go to that place and there was no holding back Mm, beautifully answered Rebecca how about you yeah the same I mean he was a delight I mean I had never never worked with him before um obviously before this or met him before the film and it's just amazing when you have actors that you just look at and all the work is there Mm -hmm. you just you've done your work you let it all go and you show up and the other actor has done their work and then hopefully if magic happens you two can just react off each other and that's what I was able to do is just look at him and he um, as this character who you know looks up to him and maybe is crushing a bit you know right um, and and that was all just easy just so easy to do with him because he never made it feel awkward or weird or uncomfortable um, he was also very concerned about about me and making sure that I got the coverage that I needed and and not a lot of actors are worried about the other they're just worried about themselves they're not worried about you um so that was really lovely and and near the end um we have a scene that's really heavy i'm sure you guys know what i'm talking about um and you know we were crying together and that's just that's that's rare um he's just he's truly a delight on screen and off um not just on screen off screen he is um kind and compassionate and generous Mm -hmm. as a person too um and always wanted to make sure that everyone felt included and comfortable and uh as the you know star you know they they kind of set the tone for the set and they set the tone for how it's going to go and uh he just made it really easy if i if i may be an extension just based on um as the director of photography you know i'm i'm making sure that the screen is working and that stuff is happening, and um, we wanted to do, we tried to do as many cool shots as as we could because we wanted to be, we wanted to be unique. And um, RJ, he always found a way to help out in in getting that accomplished as much as possible. And so if we were, say, we we're trying to do a two shot, and maybe Rebecca wasn't quite where we wanted her to be, he would help make that happen. So he was on a cinematography basis. Um, he was uh, very easy to work with. He knew what the genre that we, that we were going for. That maybe not every shot's going to be just your standard OTS or just a standard close. And maybe we needed to do something a little different where the actor needs to help camera to play in concert, as as Vince describes. And so uh, he was very um, easygoing on either requests or hey, how about if I do this? Oh gosh, thank I, I didn't want to say it or you know, just that would be perfect if you could do X, Y, and Z for us. It was it was great. Mm. May, may I bookend that point real yeah, quick? Of course. Uh, it's and I I feel like it is 
you know, RJ is a young man, but his experience is so extensive. Mm-hmm. And when he was younger, he had he had this incredible array of of mentors, scene partners. I mean, to play opposite Brian Cranston, to be directed by Vince Gillian. I mean, at that age, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, I mean, the the tools that he came to set with. I, I was learning from him every day. Mm-hmm. I was learning from him every day. They, he is uh, he is a genius when it comes to performance, and just working at, with him as a director actor relationship, whew, it's like working with a, a thoroughbred. Sure, yeah. You know? Like he is, he is like, you know, he he is he really really flexed and ready to go and. He moves a thousand miles. He's he's a thousand steps ahead. He's a thousand steps ahead with the performance. With and you know the other thing I will say this, uh, his ability to master the physical space that he's in. I mean, just master it. He, he he's not delivering a line. He's doing five or six other things while he's delivering the line. He's thinking. He's utilizing the the props. He's always got business. He's he's. He's so good at, at just existing in this space for real. Um, it feels lived in. The second the camera turns on, when that red light goes on, it's his room. It's his office. These are his documents. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable how quickly he transforms the entire scene. It's, it's great. It's great working with him. And one more note. Um, yes, RJ, you can tell we think you're incredible. <laughs> um, but no, I, so we have a stunt, like a small stunt scene, and I was very nervous because there was glass involved. Mm-hmm. And literally, RJ would be like, hey, are you okay? Like, hold, like, you know, cameras are rolling, but he'd be like, hold on, you know, and he would want to check in. But he also was able to kind of compliment our stunts team and really add knowledge. You know, he would say, hey, you know, this might be easier if we do it this way or if we do this. And and, and I'd be like, okay, what does that mean? He'd be like, so literally, he'd get in the position I need to be in and show me. And he would take whatever time I needed. No stress, no frustration. Just, hey, I'm here. You and me. We got this. And it's truly a joy to work with someone like that. There was no ego with him. Yeah. I wanted to ask about just the VFX process and the, the yeah. gore and all that fun stuff that sure. we love to see. Yeah. How much of that stuff was uh, practical in camera and how much was post-production? I mean, I love the my favorite, white eyes, man. That's, oh. that's my thing. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that. Well, was contacts or was it was it after? No, that's, that's, that's visual effects. Yeah, that's wow. definitely visual effects. We have one of the most incredible visual effects mm-hmm. houses working on this thing. 100%. Uh, you know, and... Uh, uh, periscope and those those folks but ryan croft Croft, the vfx artist Mm -hmm. i mean he's legendary the guy should be you know if i can recommend you getting a uh a figure of ryan croft in your house (laughs) (laughs) yeah i got one being sculpted right now make that for you (laughs) and so um yeah yeah so so ryan uh he's trained on these things and he he brings to the table all these options but in the visual effects world anything can be done so what's really important when you when you speak because if you try anything it costs money yeah right so you really you really need to know what you're looking for and to have not only many examples but the exact frames because frames is a huge portion of vfx that how many frames that they need to do dictates the days the the hours that need to be put in and you can't really practice uh unless you've got monstrous amounts of money to just play around with different looks so, you know, we study together, we work together, plus my experience, I'm coming to the table with a lot of already, you know, built-in knowledge. So I'm saying, you know, throw these effects away, try this, blend these two effects, so you're going to get this look. And he's like, yep, I know what you're going for, I know this, I know that, but this has been done in three movies before. I'm like, yeah, it's effective. He's like, well, how about we add this third effect on there, right? We We ripple it up a little bit, we adjust it, and that way it can feel like it's kind of new it's it's the unseen's version mm, of this right. familiar effect mm. yeah. well the nice part was is we we had them on set and um, oh, cool. so when you're shooting a visual vaccine yeah. especially with green screen um, even without green screen you have to shoot it a little differently um, I won't go into those details um, in, in this one um, maybe next week we can have like an all day <laughs> yeah right that. but uh, go on yeah things. so basically you have to shoot it differently and so uh, i would ask him um how how should this be he wouldn't like tell me like the technical 
but um, he would say it should be done. It needs to look relatively like this, and I, so I delegated it out to the team. And, uh, of course, he was also our colorist for the project as well. And so he was able to, we engineered it for post. And so it, mm. it looked beautiful based thinking, on his recommendations. And forward thinking is, yeah. the, is the most effective way to do visual effects. Not to show up after the thing and say, hey, this is what we want. Right. Having visual effects as part of the conversation, even in pre-production, yeah. allows you to build the shot list out specifically designed for an effective post-production right. work, workflow. Um, they, have, they have all sorts of issues when there's shots that are not put on the shot list, when there's all sorts of things where people walk in front of a rotoscope shot, you know, they bring their hand in front... I mean, yeah, I don't want to get into the to the. Uh, to it's the, so hard the, not the, to the nuances of we had it. So many calls about this, but but this is uh, this saves post production. If if you have right. the VFX person on set, the advisor, not just the VFX, you know, executor, right? So you're not just having that person with the mirror ball and the green screens and the, you know all the all the markers and all the tracking stuff. Not just that dedicated person, but someone who is. From who's going to be doing the post, looking at this process and saying, "This is going to take me thirty days to do," mm, you know, or right. "This is going to take our team twenty hours to do," you know, and then this is a conversation between he and I and Ryan. Bro, how can we make it simpler? You know, we got the story right here. Like, how can we make it simpler? Well, it, you know, if you actually just put his hand a little bit to the left, it'll save you twenty days. Great then we'll do that. <laughs> yeah. Then we'll do exactly that. Mm -hmm. You know, just tell us what, what helps your job right. so we can continue to do our job. Right. But, you know, we work together. Um, so, you know, going and, and back... And that just comes with pre-production once again. You, yeah. you went mm -hmm. through tons of storyboarding on that. It's just knowing what you want. It's knowing what you want and knowing what the, what the vision is supposed to look like. And if you have to deviate, then okay. But at least have a solid idea of what that um of what the ideal might be so you can um uh, back it off if shoot you have for to. that exactly yeah, for that. and that's and that's a lot of what made this team so powerful is the fact that everyone came with a vast amount of knowledge to say this is what we need to do you know in pre-production the amount of meetings that we had you know at the time it was like okay do we really need to do this it's like yeah because this is going to save money if we do this this and this and it's like okay yes let's do it and so when we were in post and we'd go to these meetings with Croft and he would show us the things that he had been doing, Vince would say to me, now do you see why we were on set? Because yeah. this is this. And I'm like, wow. And this was, you know, this is a learning experience for all of us. And when I, like I said, Vince is a mentor. I mean, he, he wasn't just a guy who came in with a director. He came in with knowledge on VFX beyond, you know, a, a basic scope. And having that knowledge is, you know, essential for a director. And, you know, there's many directors that haven't worked in the VFX space, but they may be great directors. But for a movie like this, you really need a director that is a VFX director oh, yeah. as well, right. because right. this could have been a, a disaster. Oh, yeah. Right. And I, re I recall us having a meeting and one of the, those meetings, they had like three or four hours of a meeting just to talk about shot lists with Ryan so we could incorporate that, save time and money, and get things efficiently done on set. So many shots. We originally, we originally yeah. had over a hundred visual effects shots in the film. Oh my god, I remember. And um, <laughs> we had to we had to cut it down to twenty eight, and that eventually got cut down to twenty two. Um, so when we were down to twenty two shots, and then we even traveled through posts, we started to merge those. So there's really only eighteen like full on right. visual effects right. shots. Mm -hmm. There's a few cleanup pieces right. and a few. Uh, bips and bops that are just adjusted a little bit you know so like you know there's some signage or whatever just a few cleanup things um that we that we utilized in the coloring process we were able to kind of cover that with shadow or whatever reframe um to assist getting out of those uh visual effect uh wormholes um you know with the with my other film the letter um the visual effects are so huge they take months to do and to get caught in those wormholes i wanted to protect our team from all of that. So I said, look at, let's make compromises here and let's, let's, let's stand our ground on this part. You know, let's, let's, let's fight for this. Um, and I think we navigated those. Walks. Oh, I, I yeah. cannot be happier without yeah. things. Turned yeah, out. I, yeah. I, 
was there ever like a like a backup plan just in case that you know it, it didn't work to your liking? Oh yeah, that yeah, oh yeah, and that's, and, that's, like, and that was part of why we shaved things down. Um, so you have your ideal, but then you also need to go to, you know, what what story are you trying to tell? And so some of it was practical versus visual effects, and some of it was like how many like how many shades of this color do we want? To, how many like how many layers? Right. And so it there's a lot of different ways that you can make things uh, a little bit more simpler, but um. Uh, I th- I think Vince definitely he had a handle on um on you know how we want to get that done and so um yeah I I'm just very happy and impressed with what we were able to accomplish with that. Yeah, I was really I was really excited that uh, uh that the team was so uh flexible in in getting those backup moments as well because as I saw certain things happen from my experience, you know, the Midwest doesn't have a lot of films that have the right. opportunity you know there's not a lot of there's not a lot of films that come to the midwest that have opportunities for visual effects for heavy stunts for wire work for um you know uh, even even for like things like gunplay or like uh, uh heavy heavy makeup or even practical effects um there's just not a lot of there's just not a lot of movies that come to the midwest that way this film had all of it <laughs> this mm. film had all of that so to 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 be able to bring my experience to that to that situation um when I saw things were going to take longer, when I saw, th- when I was looking at Croft and you know our visual effects artist, and he was like, "This is going to be, this is going to be more complex than we think." Um, then I had to make those hard calls, and I had to say, "Hey, let's go for the backup plan." And then Ryan was right there with this, with that secondary shot list. You know, he whips it out. You know, boom, like a cowboy, he's got it ready. <laughs> I've got, I've got you a uh, shotless holster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic. So, so he was always he was always at the ready, and I'm just so grateful that we had such a great team to be flexible when those moments took place. Um, and then, yeah, sometimes our plan B became our plan A. Right. And uh, it worked out nice, though. It worked out nice. The film is a real journey in color, too. It's something you notice. I was right hoping you would talk about that. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> blues, blues and grays, you notice, and, and the, the burnt oranges of the flashbacks and, yeah. you know, the, the all that sepia kind of tone. That, how did you dis- make those decisions, or was there an inspiration for, for those? Well, I mean... Um I so want to go technical on that. I'll be so. I'm gonna be very high level, and all the DPs out there, maybe you and I can have like a six-hour chat sometime. But anyway, um, the red really helped with that. It did because it captures a lot of color data. So I will just be that high level. But Vince, go ahead. Yeah, uh, we we experimented in color with a couple of looks. You know, when when Ryan and I were sitting with Croft in the coloring room. You know, we wanted to try to do, I mean, you know, sepia is, is right. classic flashback, right? You know, and then and then you've got this, like, we, we tried some monochrome stuff. We tried some uh, blending in between. But ultimately, we, we settled on uh, this kind of like a, a soft sepia with a uh, kind of a, a transparent vignette. Are you talking about the, the flashbacks? Yeah, or? yeah. Well, yeah. Well, all, all, the, all the different specific right. uh, color looks, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, we again we we went through with croft and we just kind of we did something familiar right but the unseen version of right it, you know a little twist right. onto it something that's a little oh, unique yeah. to us and 100%. i think um uh and then telling that story visually there's a look for each location mm-hmm. you know, every location had a specific feel mm-hmm. and um when we wanted to bring the story of one thing into the other we helped it with that by dovetailing some of the mm-hmm. color one of my favorite colored scenes is the um, uh, the scene inside the uh, the school classroom. Oh yes, where where it was Ryan's idea to utilize the projector mm, as this, yeah, as the light that, and the, you know, the projector actually is a colored light. So you know, when you're walking into situations like that, when you're looking like, you know, like a. Uh, uh, Nicholas uh, Renfrin, the um, director uh, Drive. Yeah, you know? yeah. You're looking at that, and that's like real extreme color lights, like real extreme, like, and you know, you're not going backwards in the color room once you like no. blast someone with like heavy blue or heavy red. You're committing to that color, you know, in some sense, you know, before you hit post. Um, a lot of a lot of people they say, you know, you should just shoot flatly. Um, that way, you can make your options later. Right. You know. But, you know, sometimes when you know what you want, you know, you, you make that decision right. on set and you make that decision aesthetically 
and Ryan made that decision, and it just like it, it really looks cool. It looks like this extra bit of like cold. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It, dirty, it, yeah. it felt it, again. Do enough pre-production, know your script well enough. You you just kind of know. It felt icky to me, so we want to extend the the ickiness yeah. of just the context of the scene itself, and so it worked out in their benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rebecca, I mean, you being able to see the the whole finished pro- product and see all the vfx in place and see what they did with your character and all these wonderful things what was your first reaction to seeing the finished product well i haven't seen the finished finish since october wow so i'm not sure what has changed <laughs> this is in our benefit <laughs> oh, be awesome. um, so i'm excited to see it on friday nice. for the full full but i'm i i was super excited um i'm super excited to see because i know in october there was a few adjustments they were making to some of my uh, VFX sure. stuff at the end. So I'm, I'm excited to see the finished, um, but I, I, I'm thrilled. I, I had so much fun um, doing my little, my little stunt and um, having uh, Ryan on set, uh, Ryan Croft, um, telling me exactly for the end especially you know what i'm talking about uh where how to walk and where and you know to make that all that work because i've i've actually never done any of that uh, myself so that was a new challenge and a, a really fun and uh, what i saw was awesome so i know what i'm gonna see is gonna e- even be more awesome so i'm super excited to see everything kind of um, you were such together. a pro. You really were. Oh my gosh, you were Thank a dream you. to work with. It She's was so the best. Fun. She is the best. <laughs> so to the whole team, I mean, gosh, this thing is going to be released to the to the hounds, right on yeah. June thirtieth. How do you guys feel about this? Oh, it's like your baby, right? <laughs> it's huge. I mean, personally, I've been keeping it so close, no. I'm afraid to let it go. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, personally, I, I will say that um, I've. I am anxious, but I'm also relieved. Mm, relieved is It's taken a lot of hours to get this thing to where it is mm-hmm. today, just with distribution, all kinds of things. Um, anxiety, I think, is something that every single filmmaker deals with. You know, Jenny mentions uh, Jaws. You know, Steven Spielberg had so many problems with, with the shark on set, and uh, <laughs> the first thing he sees is an audience member tossing. They didn't toss, but they were scared you know, shitless. Mm-hmm. Their, their popcorn flew in the air, and he, know, he was like, Oh, well, this is good. <laughs> so yeah. I'm kind of hoping for the same, uh, you know, uh, surprise. And but you, you just, you know, horror and comedy, they're they're, they're two wide spectrums. They they really are. It's either um, it, it does or it does not. But um, I am anxious to see what people think. But I'm also relieved that we're able to get this done for our cast and crew and finally get this thing. Um, a home run mm, beautifully said beautifully said well we'll go to rebecca uh we'll do final notes now rebecca besides this what else is coming out that people can see you and i know you got a lot of projects uh yeah so i have another uh movie called the veil that will be hopefully coming out later this year or starting the festival run later this year um probably coming out in maybe 2024 uh, i'm not sure exactly yet um jennifer and i and ryan have another project we're working on uh called sweet molly um that i am producing as well as them oh, that's uh, amazing in, yeah nice. in, uh, utah that we're filming in august mm-hmm. so i'm really excited about that um and then some you know other stuff in pre-production or pre-production i have another film called the other kind that's a sci-fi that hopefully will be coming out either later this year or next year um and then a bunch of uh more stuff to come so i'm super excited for that's everything so exciting. Uh, you guys to see everything and so the the lakefront uh, team here what else is going on besides uh, sweet molly yeah, so um, I am starting a new script. Uh, it's called Beneath the Surface. So that Ooh. is, yeah, so that one is, that's a little spoiler alert. Um, so we have that, and then we're in some conversations about some other projects that we will share when we can. But uh, good things to come. Very exciting. Vince is on board for this stuff, or what do you got cooking, Vince? Well, I got, uh, you know, it would be nice. I, you know, if I get the call, I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. to, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I, uh, I love working, and I love making movies in the industry. Uh, right now, I'm um, slated to uh, direct an action uh, film called American Zero. Cool. Uh, which is nice. pretty sweet. Uh, then I have, of course, The Letter. 
uh, that's going to be sold um, here in the next couple months. Oh, that's so exciting! So very, yes. very excited, and that's a that's a Lovecraftian uh, like a murder mystery. Oh wow! So, yeah, yeah, we'll have that's to keep really talking good. about. Damn, that. yeah, yeah damn right one. we will. Yeah. Oh. It takes place in the 1920s. You know? Oh, what the perfect era yeah, too! It's, it's my favorite so era. Good. That's great. It's Hell great. Yeah, yeah, man. Okay, all right. We'll just get touch about that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Ryan, so Vince. more more good more good horror stuff for you guys. That's what we need. Yeah. Oh, well, and I also I just forgot what I just wrapped, and we just. We're talking about oh, yeah. crust. Yeah, crust. Yeah. Do tell. Tell more. With, uh, pizza horror. What? what? Pizza horror. <laughs> With Sean Whalen. Like, he's going to probably yes. listen to this and be like, what do you mean? Richard me. <laughs> so we're just talking about it. Uh, yeah, I just wrapped that. It's a horror comedy uh, with uh, Alan Ruck from Succession and Sean Whalen from People Under the Stairs, uh, Felissa Rose from uh, Sleepaway Camp, yeah. and Danny Roebuck, uh, who's done, you know, was just in the Munsters recently. Uh, that was really fun and excited to see that because for you guys to see that, it's a totally different uh, kind of movie. So yes, I'm so excited. You got to bring all them over. You got to bring that whole crew over. Yeah. I know Dan Roebuck's like a big collector too. Oh, he would die. Oh man, he would die. I would in this love house. to meet him. I would love to meet him. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, you guys. Well, Ryan, Vince, Rebecca, and Jennifer, thank you so much for being here, and everybody listening. The Unseen premieres in theaters in L.A., Chicago, and New York, and on Apple TV and on demand. June 30th. I got that right, everybody, right? Yes, yes. indeed. Right. Day. All right, everyone. Thank you so much again for being here and congrats on this marvelous movie. Thank, thank you, you for so having us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Hell yeah. yeah. That was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 390. Special thanks to our guests, Jennifer A. Goodman, Rebecca Kennedy, Vincent Shade, and Ryan Atkins. At time of release, their new film, The Unseen, is in select theaters and on VOD now. Production tracks provided by Power Man 5000. Till next time, on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, it is the Boot Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network. Home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews. SCP archives. Weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers. Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective. And creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.